Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Michael Nape. Michael was recently named the head women's bowling coach at Elmhurst College. He replaces Dave Williams, who retired at the end of last season. Michael has 13 PBA regional titles and one PBA national title. Michael, I want to thank you for joining myself and Coach K today. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited about this interview. Well, great. So last month you were named the head coach of the women's bowling team at Elmhurst College. Uh, you'd been helping with the junior programs uh, at Fox uh, Fox Bowl. So why don't you talk about, number one, how, how you got the position with Elmhurst and then why you feel this is the right time to take this next step uh, into coaching from juniors up to that collegiate level? Well, it was really a pretty interesting story. Um, I've been working with, in the junior program at Fox Bowl for a number of years and coaching the kids and helping the youth out, and I have a couple of kids of my own. Um, but what I really enjoyed is... Uh, when some of our kids went away to college and they go away to college and they come back and they wanted some work with their games. Um, and I felt like that was one of the things that I could do really well is I could take these bowlers who are already good and work with them. And uh, so I had a lot of kids coming home from college that would come in and see me for some private lessons and some help with their games and talk about ball motion and layouts and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I started thinking to myself, you know, this would really be fun if I could coach a college team. So that thought had entered my head. And uh, I guess uh, the former coach of Elmhurst College retired, and uh, he moved away to another state. And one of my former youth bowlers um, is a tennis player over at Elmhurst, and he recommended me. So I got a phone call from the uh, athletic director, uh, asking if I had some interest in doing it. So uh, I had just been speaking about being interested in uh, coaching, and then lo and behold, uh, you know, a couple of months later, I got a call from Elmer's College that they had an interest in me coming over and coaching the program. So it was kind of neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, timing is everything, that's for sure. And it uh, sounds like you almost, uh, like it was, it was meant to be a little bit, huh? Yeah, it seems that way. You know, and I, I think the timing was right because I've, you know, I always try to progress in whatever that I've been doing. So I've been getting more involved with the coaching. And and uh, as us bowlers tend to age a little bit, our games do start to, you know, the old term, you lose a step. You don't want to think you do, but maybe the knees don't want to hold up as long or the arm doesn't want to hold up as long. So I started getting a little bit more into the coaching, and I started uh, doing a little bit more research and paying a little bit more attention and having a lot of conversations with some of the great coaches that are around, uh, mainly John Bill, who's a top, been named one of the top 100 coaches, and he's helped coach over at Fox Bowl, and he's been a great aide. And Greg Zika, who does uh, all our lessons over at Fox Bowl, another top 100 coach. And just in conversation and learning as much as I can about coaching, I wanted to apply that. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, you know, maybe it was meant to be, and then the timing came out right, and, uh, I got the job, and I was I'm able to put forth uh, some of my knowledge and my passion, and give back to the sport of bowling, which has given me some pretty great things, and uh, become that head coach and do everything I can to make uh, the Elmhurst College program very credible, competitive, and help these young ladies out and make them better bowlers. 
And, and last year, you know, we talked to, we had Dr. Hinnett's on, Dr. Dean, and uh, he, he did, a, did a great job as well. And one of the things that, uh, that came up in that interview, he was talking about the differences in coaching uh, young women versus the young men, and that uh, the, 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 the ladies' teams, that they first need to feel that, that, that you understand them, to feel that they're understood, uh, and that you as a coach, you know, you understand what they're feeling rather than just kind of getting, you know, right to the point and saying this is what needs to be done. You know, is that something that you've approached in terms of, you know, coaching a women's team versus maybe coaching, you know, younger male bowlers as you have at, at Fox Bowl? Well, I can say this. I have a, a 14-year-old son, Michael Jr., and a 12-year-old daughter, Allison. And um, I've really worked quite a bit uh, with uh, baseball and softball with them. And I can tell you the way that I coach my son and the way that I coach my daughter definitely had to be different. I was going about things in a similar way, and it just really wasn't working for my daughter. So that kind of gave me a good idea there. Um, so I, I definitely think that you do have to see things differently. And in general, of course, anyone that a person is coaching needs to feel understood and that they have to understand what you're saying to them. Uh, so that the, the message gets through. But I definitely uh, needed to be cognizant of what I was doing and how I was doing it instead of kind of going with the same pattern that I had done with my son. And I also coach uh, 14-year-old boys baseball, so there is most definitely a difference. You know, I can be a little bit more blunt with the boys, and you know, you can get on them a little bit more, and you know, they're a little bit more accepting, but I definitely have thought twice about... Uh, you know, being cognizant of, of my uh, coaching skills and, and the direction that I'm going to go with how I speak to them. And uh, I do have a couple of great assistants on my team. Uh, Tom Williams, who I do think has been a great addition so far. Um, and it is nice to have a girl to kind of relate for some of the things that maybe I am going to need help with. She's been coaching high school bowling for West Aurora for about 10 years, and I've known her for quite a number of years. Um, so I'm happy to have her on and have that female addition to the team, and, and she can help keep me uh, with some ideas of if there's anything that I need to work on myself is, and things that I can't handle, she'll be there. And I also have another assistant, John Robinson, who has worked for me in the past and who is a, a former collegiate bowler. Uh, so I feel confident that uh, with my staff and with everything that I'm learning that I'll be able to handle things the right way. So things are very competitive back uh, in that uh, Midwest or upper Midwest where you're located there with the uh, collegiate mm -hmm. bowling and recruiting and such. Have you uh, dipped your toe or have you thought about how you're going to start uh, recruiting the young ladies to, uh, to Elmhurst College? To be honest with you, I have not. That is something that is completely foreign to me. I mean, I have thought about it. And I have thought about how to get some new bowlers into the system, but I just uh, am going to have to learn on how to go about it. Um, the good news is, is I have a lot of contact with high school bowlers from the programs that we run at Fox Bowl. I run a pretty successful program on Monday nights over the summer at Fox Bowl, and I have a lot of uh, the local high school area bowlers, and they'll come from, you know, 20 to 30 miles away to come compete in that league because we do offer great coaching in the league and we do and they do have a competitive outlet for those that are looking. So I have a lot of contact and I see that some of those contacts that I have through that league and then they have found out that I'm coaching over in Elmer. So I've had some inquiries already 
which is really a positive sign for me. Um, but uh, Coach Williams, uh, my assistant, with her being involved in the high school program, she'll be able to let me know some of the bigger tournaments that I can go see and I can see some of the talent. And uh, I will actually have to do my homework on how to do that and uh, how to recruit some talent over to the Elmhurst College. So that's something new for me. Well, and it sounds like, though, what you want to do, I mean, because you guys have a, a competitive and a, a very good junior program at Fox Bowl, it's almost like, you know, the old analogy, recruit your own. I mean, right? I mean, that sounds like the easiest place to start is is get, keep your own students there, keep your high school players there. You can work with them and, and just, you know, as long as the education fits, correct? That that sounds like a pretty reasonable place to begin. Absolutely. And and I knew that would, that would be a good thing uh, for the program and for myself is that I do have a lot of contact with the youth and that now that they will have a direct link to uh, a possible bowling future, and I wish bowling was available for me when I was in that age range uh, because some of the programs are amazing and then the competitive nature of bowling these days is great and it would be great to take some of these girls and bring them right into the program and I already kind of have an idea of what their game's on. and I mean, it could work out really well and we should have some very competitive teams looking forward it, and like you mentioned yeah I mean your your path yourself as a bowler might have been different if, if this type of collegiate uh, stuff was available uh, to you when you were younger but you went the professional route you know you have a lot of uh, professional titles I think it's 13 regional titles one national title and uh, and also a, an, an eagle there at the open championships as well now how are you going to use all of these kind of experiences uh, to you know, transfer into coaching, into college, and coaching these the, the youth players. Well, real quick before I get to that, um, just a funny kind of interesting note is uh, the high school that I had gone to had a girls' bowling program, but did not have a boys' bowling program. So I remember we had an English project, and we had to write a letter to the editor. You know, it's just a, a letter as to, uh, you know, to the school newspaper. And I wrote it about why there was not boys bowling in school, which was my senior year. And then the following year, bowling was instituted at that school. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And it's too bad it didn't happen the year before. But like you said, it would have been a different route. Um, but the route that I did choose, um, you know, to go into the professional level and bowl as an adult and bowl tournaments for money, um, you know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and there was a lot of pot games, you know, and action games and money games, and that, I think, helped structure my game and learn how to win. Uh, basically, when you're 15 years old and you're putting 20 bucks on the line and you're bowling against guys that are much older than you, and you have to perform or you don't win, you know. And, and there's definitely pressure that you learn, and it's a learning situation. So I took what I had learned through those young years of bowling and, and I worked at it and I bowled and I competed. And when I was in my twenties, I started to feel like I was really ready to compete at a higher level. And that's when I, I joined PDA and I had good success and I bowled regionals and I bowled national stops and all that. And what it all led to was, is you'd have to learn every time you pick up a ball and every time you bowl in every situation that you're in, is a learning experience. And, of course, that's cliche, and that's what a lot of coaches tell you. But not everybody really takes that to heart and really does want to learn. Sometimes you let things go and 
you'll kind of miss it. So I think what is going to help me out is I'm going to pass this information along to these girls, and I'll share my knowledge of lane play, um, bowling ball choices, and those that coach at a high level understand that bowling ball choices and how you play the lanes and surface is so critical. And if you don't match those items up, I mean, you're just competing at a disadvantage. Right ball, right part of the lane, you know, you can do a, pretty amazing things. And you get off the pattern a little bit and you got the wrong ball in your hand, you know, you're swimming in the middle of the pack. So I think that uh, passing along the knowledge, playing play ball choices is going to be big. And then the mental games. Um, and I think that is another area that is, of, you know, obviously you had Dr. Dean Hennick on and he offered some great insight, but each player needs to find out what works for them. And what I'll do is I'll share my stories with them. And if you know me at all, uh, you know, some of my stories are pretty interesting and I've been uh, known to fry, as we say in the bowling community. But, uh, what I was able to do is I was able to take that energy and I was able to refocus it. And I was able to hyper-focus on bowling, and that helped me kind of get over those hurdles. So I think, uh, you know, my experiences and my winning, I, I, I want to show these girls how to win, and that there's definite difference in how you approach the game, how you approach pressure to come out and win. Well, Mike, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about um, your time at the USBC Open Championships um, and just get your kind of thoughts. This year, you know, 3,700-plus, you know, was a winning team score. You know, oodles of other teams shot, uh, you know, 3,400 or better, and just um, scores are high this year, let's be honest. Uh, do you think, uh, you know, do you think that's good for the sport, or do you think we need to get back to where, you know, shot making, and you talked about having the right ball in your hands. It seemed like even you didn't need to have always the right ball in your hand this year to, to get to the pocket and carry necessarily or to shoot that big of a number that you obviously did, but not to shoot, you know, a, a, what a, in years past would have been a, a very respectable or even sometimes a winning score. But do you think that those high scores at the USBC Open championships are good for the sport? Well, I'm going to give you an absolutely honest answer, and that answer is no way. 3,700 to win USBC Nationals is an incredible score. The bowlers are supposed to go out there and shoot the highest numbers that they can. So, I mean, it's incredible to shoot 3,700. But for the Open Championships, which is supposed to be the, the most respected and the, kind of the pinnacle tournament for anyone that's a USBC member, it has been relegated to a house condition with those kind of scores. Now, of course, there's some people that went out there and didn't have success, and, and you know, the lanes are, are sport-compliant, but when anyone's shooting a 3,700 score, you know there's plenty of room on the lane. Um, so the way that I see it is the lanes each year are designed a certain way. We all know that with technology and all the research is that available, um, the patterns can be created to get a certain scoring environment. And I think that they were tweaked for higher scores. And those scores are just too high. What happens is you take the, you know, the pinnacle tournament of the year and you almost make it like a league night. And that, that was just disappointing for me. Um, and then 
some of the things that they're doing, they're trying to create entry fees and trying to get as many people interested. And, and I'm sure that there's plenty of logic behind it. I just personally don't like to see it. I like to see a 3,400 win. I mean, I, I've had tournaments where we shot, you know, high 3,200s and we're in the top five. You know, and, and it takes a lot of skill to do that, and it takes shot making, and it takes teamwork. And so I, I, I'm not a fan of the high scores. It is what it is, as, as the saying goes, and hats off to everyone that competed and shot amazing scores. That's incredible. I mean, I wish I could shoot uh, 3,700 with a team. But I think for the USBC national event that the scoring pace should be down more. It should be a little bit more reliant on teamwork shot making, um, knowing how to manipulate a lane, playing the lanes together, and being smart about bowling ball choices. So, And playing the lanes together, that's all, you know, all ties in there with the college bowling um, and, and what, you're, what you're doing there as well. Um, now, final question I have for you, though. Now, at least I know a couple of years ago, I don't know if it's still the case or not, but you are the uh, lifetime average leader there at the Open Championships. And like you mentioned, that's really the pinnacle event for all of the USBC members. And when people go out there to compete in that tournament, no matter how many times you've gone out and bowled in that tournament, no matter who you are, you always feel some kind of pressure, don't you? I mean, isn't, don't the nerves get in your, you know, your blood kind of starts pumping and you kind of, you know, you start feeling the nerves and stuff. Do, do you get that? And if you do, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you definitely get anxious. Um, and the pressure does mount. You know, it, it, as I grew up bowling with uh, some of the guys from uh, the south side of Chicago, you know, there was a lot of respect for the, you know, of course it was the ABCs then or it was Nationals. There was a lot of respect for that, for those tournaments. And I'm, and I'm 18 years old. My first Nationals, I went in for a former Rookie of the Year on the PBA Tour named Mike Steinbeck. You know, so I went in with these guys and they were, you know, they were all very good bowlers in their own right. And there was a couple of Eagle players out there as well. So they taught me to respect the game. So they prepared for that tournament. <clears throat> they knew that the lane conditions were going to be difficult. So they would have practices, and they would all practice playing. You know, everyone knows that a house shot to shot is a little bit further right. And at Nationals, they would practice in at fourth and fifth arrow, which wasn't all that common then. So there's a lot of practice and a lot of talk about how the lanes are going to play, how the ball's going to hit, because when you're moving in deeper, of course, the ball's not going to hit as well, especially when you're throwing early urethane balls, even plastic balls. So there's a lot of preparation, and then there was a lot of respect for the tournament. The guys would go out there, and they would give it everything they have, and there was nothing more great than winning a eagle. So that had been a goal for me my entire life, is to win an eagle. Which, which luckily happened for me in 2008. And believe it or not, I was low on the team being the all-time average leader at the time, which is kind of funny. So there's a lot of respect for the tournament, a lot of preparation. And that carried on with me. And then when it came time for nationals, then it was time to put a little bit more work into the game to understand what was going on with the lane conditions and talk to the bowlers who had been out there already and follow the pace. And, of course, this is a 27-year process. So things have definitely evolved. So it's always a learning process of picking up the information that's available to you. And now the patterns are out there and you can practice on the patterns ahead of time, which I'm sure is a factor in why the scores are higher because you're, you have time to prepare 
uh, the great teams get together and they bowl together and they have a game plan and they go in with it. So that has helped aiding the high scores because no matter what the shot is, you're going to be able to break them down. So there's a lot of preparation, and then all that preparation, now it's game time. you know. So I, I really kind of got more nervous maybe a week or two before the tournament than I did when I was actually at the tournament. And I was, you know, I'm in my 40s now, so I was always cognizant of the knee hurting and the elbow hurting. And so I, I kind of took it a little bit easier with the outside endeavors and focused more on the bowling part of it. So there's a lot of preparation a lot of getting ready. Um, having that all-time average lead was really something special for me. I really did enjoy being up there and, and taking a look back at all that hard work and that effort and realizing that at the time, I mean, I had the highest average. That was pretty cool, you know. Um, just a quick note for those listening. If, you know, you think all those years and being high average that you're out there striking your butt off. Well, that's not necessarily the case. What you're doing is you're making all your spares, you're converting the difficult spares, and you are keeping the ball in play and striking as well. But spares over the long haul keep that average up there. Um, so anyway, being the all-time average leader and being ready for the tournament, but then the pressure, the pressure does mount, especially before the tournament. And then, as most competitors know, you almost get more comfortable when you're out on the lanes because then you can control it. You're out on the lanes. You're able to play. <clears throat> you can take that energy and you can actually put it on the lanes. So a lot of it is just anxious and waiting for the time to get out onto the lanes. And I don't think I, I don't. I'm definitely not the leader now. I'm somewhere, somewhere second or third, uh, which is still pretty great. I had one terrible year in there. It happened to be my 25th straight year, and I didn't want to miss. I had a knee injury and a back injury, and I bowled an incredibly low score, and it's quite embarrassing. Uh, but it is what it is, and that's the way it is. And now I'm uh, somewhere. I'm still in the top five, so I'm happy with that. I was going to say, being in you know, top five uh, after 25 years, I nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing to be uh, be ashamed about in good bowling. Um, you know, for for the the longevity of things out there. So so, Michael, want to thank you for joining us today. We'll have to have you back on again after you've been on the on the job, so to speak, with with the girls. Um, but just you know, best of luck as you get going up there at uh, at Elmhurst College, and uh, we'll certainly, like I said, have you back on the air sometime uh, in the near future. 